When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. We review SummerSlam and discuss how long the new champs will hold their belts. We also review NXT TakeOver. Our extended discussion looks at All In, which is just around the corner. And we catch up on Impact Wrestling and Ring of Honor Honor Reunited Tour highlights. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. The podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Paul. How did you enjoy this crazy weekend of wrestling, Paul? I thought it was good. I thought uh, SummerSlam was uh, probably a little better than I expected, and uh, NXT TakeOver delivered like it always does. Yep, I have to agree with you on that. And before we get into our extended review and our in-depth discussion on that, let's first remind you guys to follow us on social media at Two Faced Pod, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D. And if you go to TwoFacedPod.com, then you can find out all the different audio platforms you can listen to us on, as well as find the link to Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube channel to be able to view us, because we actually have a video version. If you're listening, there's a version you can watch. And also, if you follow me personally on Twitter at SuperKickingIt, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T, you can vote in polls, give us your opinions, and submit questions for our shows every week. I give you guys the power. As I said last week, you've got the power to decide what wrestling t-shirt I'm going to wear every week. This week, the shirt choices were Best Friends, Rapungi Vice, kind of a similar theme there, and then Jay Lethal. And Best Friends won, as you can see if you're watching on YouTube. I'm wearing a Best Friends t-shirt, and it's kind of modeled after Bert and Ernie. It's kind of funny. I like it a lot. (laughs) And that won with 48% of the vote. So follow me there so that you can vote each week in the poll. I voted for Jay Lethal, and of course I finished in last place. Well, I have worn the Jay Lethal (laughs) shirt in previous episodes. That is true. And don't worry, it'll be back, and I'll definitely wear it one day in the future. Okay. Okay, so let's (laughs) get right into it now. The plugs are done, but it's time to dive into SummerSlam. Overall, what'd you say is your favorite match of the whole thing? Oh, by far the best match. And I this was the match I was most excited about going in, and it over delivered in my opinion. Uh Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, just awesome. Awesome storytelling, awesome heel work by Samoa Joe, great spots, great great brutality. It was all awesome. I really loved that match, and I have to say that was my favorite match of the night as well, so we're in agreement there. And I really loved how he got up on the announce table and started basically calling out AJ's family and being like, who's your daddy? I'm going to be your new daddy. (laughs) And then the crowd, at the end of the match, after AJ was disqualified, 
they started chanting, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? And I just thought, like, you know, they were getting into it and chanting it randomly, like, with no meaning. But you told me afterwards that that chant actually has a meaning there. Let us know what that means. <laughs> no, it brings back uh, pay- painful memories for my Boston Red Sox. Uh, it goes back to Pedro Martinez. Uh, got rocked a couple times at Yankee Stadium, at, which, of course, uh, SummerSlam was in Brooklyn. Um, and uh, he... He said in his post-game press conference, I, I I just have to tip my cat and call the Yankees my daddy. And then the next time he pitched at Yankee Stadium, 52,000 people were chanting, who's your daddy? And it went on during the playoffs and all that. Of course, the Red Sox got the last laugh coming back from three games to none down to win the American League pennant in 2004. But not that I just remember that like it was yesterday or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> but, yeah, that's some sports facts that I did not know. No. And it actually kind of added to the match once you told me what it meant. That was kind of cool that the crowd started chanting that at the end instead of just it being a random thing with no meaning. And I don't think a lot of people listening may know that. So no. thanks for your <laughs> your sports trivia knowledge, Paul. Somehow it comes in handy sometimes. Now, after, after uh, Samoa Joe said, I'll be your new daddy, of course, AJ was enraged and did that great spot taking Samoa Joe off the table through the barricade and then, of course, losing it with the steel chair and ultimately getting disqualified. But uh, it was all really good. The crowd was really into it, and uh, it, it made for a great match, and Samoa Joe is just is awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's one of my favorites in WWE right now. Do you think that this feud's going to extend into Hell in a Cell? I sure hope so. I sure hope that's the plan. That, uh, you know, when you get a disqualification like that, and clearly the situation is not resolved, uh, I, I hope. I hope that's going to be Hell in a Cell. It, it's it's you, we're hearing all kinds of rumors, and we'll obviously be talking about Hell in a Cell, you know, in weeks to come, but. You're hearing all kinds of rumors of which of the matches will be. You know, we're hearing Charlotte Becky Lynch could be one for, on the women's side, but then they're not going to do two from SmackDown, I wouldn't think either. Um, you know, Miz and, and Daniel Bryan was rumored until now they're doing a, a you know a mixed tag, so we'll see what happens. But uh, certainly, I would be all happy if AJ Styles and Samoa Joe went in the Hell in a Cell. Me too. <laughs> I think that they could again over deliver and exceed everyone's expectations and it, the cell would kind of add to it in that case well and we've talked about it before um they've had great matches going back into tna and yeah. some great uh stipulations and matches matches with uh, christopher daniels being the third person in the so you know every time they, these two guys have been in the ring it's been awesome it really has been. And let's look at some of the other matches from SummerSlam night. Now, a lot of people talking about Finn Balor coming out as the demon, which I was happy to see. And that was a surprise. They didn't kind of lead into it story-wise ahead of time. So it was really refreshing to see. But people are saying it didn't quite make sense that he's the demon that night for that match, which had no title on the line. And then on Raw the next night, he has an opportunity against Roman Reigns to win the title, and he doesn't come out as the demon. So he doesn't use that part of himself, which apparently is stronger than his normal self. So that didn't really match up, and a lot of people are calling that out. What do you think about that? Well, I think first and foremost, I think the reason they they brought it back, well, first first of all, it's been always kind of a pay-per-view thing anyways. So for them not to run it on Raw, to me, I guess makes sense in the fact that 
you know, it's always kind of been a pay-per-view thing. But in this regard, I think they they used it because they knew nobody was excited about his match against Baron Corbin. Very few people, you know, even though I think Baron Corbin's got a fair amount of athleticism for a big man, he's not, you know, the most engaging character. So I think that's why they did it. Especially now dressed up in his, his <laughs> ridiculous suit thing. I don't like it at all. The vest and it's, ugh. It just, it totally demeans what he had going before, you know? Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> you're wondering why I'm drinking out of a giant pitcher. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's a protein shake. I'm getting ready for all in. I got to, you know. I, yeah, like Nick and got, Matt, you got to. Got to get my strength up. That's right. You do it all for the business, for our podcasting business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As so. they used to say on Being the Elite. <laughs> Another huge thing that is kind of. A controversial thing online right now for some reason on twitter i'm always seeing these controversial things the becky lynch heel turn which happened after the triple threat women's match at SummerSlam. you know charlotte won kind of coming from behind and then becky looks like she's hugging her and turns on her and the crowd loves it the crowd's happy about this and they were actually booing charlotte once she won the title right. then on smackdown it kept going further and further. Becky tried to blame her heel turn on the crowd, which is kind of like a weak story point. And that's why everyone's complaining. Why are you turning her heel now? The people are still cheering her. You know, you should have went with her as a face anyway. I'm not really a fan of Becky Lynch that much. And the heel turn, I don't know. It's not that entertaining to me. Well, I mean, we could see it coming, obviously, for a week and a half, two weeks. Um I'm fine with the heel turn on the surface, but you just touched on it, and I completely agree. The blaming the crowd is such a weak reason, and they use it so often in WWE is why somebody – it's because of you guys. I know it goes back to old storylines, blaming the crowd, and that, you know the heel is supposed to incite the crowd and all that. But when the crowd is cheering her, you know – and cheering all of this, it makes no sense to say it's the crowd's fault I'm a heel. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, if you guys love Becky Lynch, that's fine. Like I said, my big mantra every episode I'm going to remind <laughs> everybody, it's okay to agree to disagree. It's okay to have differences of opinion as long as we're all respectful. So if you like Becky Lynch, that's totally cool. No problem at all. <laughs> She's just not my cup of tea. But, yeah, at least it was something different. But it was kind of obvious that it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, switching gears to the Raw women's title, something that seemingly was obviously going to happen as well, Ronda Rousey winning the title. I want to get your thoughts on her complete domination, first of all, and then second of all, putting the belt on her. Uh, do you have any problem with that? Another thing that people have a problem <laughs> with, apparently, online, and I don't in this case, I don't mind her having the belt. I don't mind that she dominated the entire match and it was quick. I kind of like that because she's a legitimate, you know, fighting star. And so they were painting the whole story of the match like Alexa Bliss was kind of scared secretly anyway. Like you saw the look of horror on her face at that one uh, Raw, I mm -hmm. think it was. She was like backing away and looking back at, in horror at Ronda Rousey. So I kind of like that she dominated and showed that it wasn't just all talk. Obviously, she can back it up. We know that from her history with UFC. So there you go. I have no problem with it. I love Ronda Rousey. But, you know, how long will she hold the belt for? That's the big question everyone's talking about. Well, I think in this regard, uh, I, everybody, I mean, I don't know many people who don't think that eventually it's going to be Charlotte and Ronda at WrestleMania, at the next WrestleMania up in uh, New Jersey. 
I uh, I think so too. I think that's the direction they've got to go. The question is, first of all, you got to get Charlotte and Ronda on the same show. That's first and foremost. Yeah. Although, although Charlotte could, if she's not the champion for some reason, win Royal Rumble or whatever and mm-hmm. choose. Um, but the bigger question for me is how they're going to handle Ronda, even if that is the plan to go to WrestleMania. Is she just going to steamroll everybody on Raw? That's probably, I mean, look, she should, you know? Like, you look at the talent, you know, unless somebody uses heel tactics or whatever, Ronda should dominate, except for if, if Nia Jax came back and they had a match again. That's somebody she shouldn't dominate. I think she shouldn't necessarily dominate Asuka. And I feel like, so say, like, Ronda even beat Charlotte eventually. I think the person that could beat Ronda would be Asuka. And that would kind of make the loss to Charlotte at WrestleMania a little less hurtful for Asuka's legacy. Because everyone's complaining. Another thing people don't like is how Asuka has been diminished. And I think the streak had to come to an end. So I'm not upset about that. And Charlotte is obviously the women's wrestler that they are going to push for the next few years. They're kind of pushing her as the dominant woman in that division, which is okay. She's got that legacy, and she's such a natural in the ring. I kind of agree with it. But now we've got these other, like, very close contenders that are just behind her that should be really at the top of the division as well. Asuka's one of those people, and a huge win over Rousey, that would do wonders to bring her back into prominence and kind of make her feel like a threat again, I think, eventually. A long ways from now, but it's going to be interesting how will they book Rousey because she doesn't have a ton of singles experience with singles matches, so I don't know. We'll just have to see how it plays out, but I'm interested in what's going to happen. It's fresh. It's new. Well, and... Again, going back to mine and half of the wrestling community's theory that she's going to face Charlotte at WrestleMania, the other thing you've got to start doing is thinking beyond when Ronda's contract ends. So you've got to start positioning people. Who do you want to eventually knock off Ronda? You know, and Asuka would be a good choice. Um, but you're right. They are clearly going to push Charlotte for a while, and that's going to be the case for for the foreseeable future now speaking of people <laughs> that they pushed mm-hmm. they've been pushing and finally roman reigns is the universal champion <laughs> uh what did you think of the match itself i i think the result isn't a surprise obviously no what do you think of the match itself and then what do you think about what happened the next night on raw so if we've got some new listeners who haven't heard the last few episodes We previously discussed on one of our episodes about, I went back and rewatched all of Brock and Roman's matches, and a lot of them surprised me, and I liked them a lot more than I thought I did when I first saw them. So upon the rewatching of them, they were better than I gave them credit for ever. And so this match, I wasn't that worried. Like, maybe it'll be better when I'm going in with this new set of eyes, having just watched all their other matches. Like, it could actually be good. Because I know that their previous matches weren't bad. But no, this was their worst meeting, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, this and the Greatest Royal Rumble kind of on the same level. I don't really think one's that much worse than the other. They're both not my favorites. Of all the meetups that Brock and Roman have had, those two would be dead last. And yeah, the best part of the match was the involvement of Braun Strowman. And he had some great lines like, yeah, beastie boy, good luck, <laughs> calling Brock beastie mm-hmm. boy. So funny. What, what did you think? I uh, I was excited when Braun's music hit and he said, I'm going to face you guys face to face and all that stuff. 
But I automatically thought that meant he was going to enter into that match and make it a triple threat, which made me much more excited. But when he ends up just hanging out outside and they take him out and all that, I mean, obviously he was involved and they added at least a little different spin to this match. But uh, the match itself, I've said, I've used the line before, left a lot to be desired. It really did. And what worries me, moving on to what happened actually on Raw after SummerSlam, I am worried about Braun Strowman. I know he didn't lose the briefcase when he tried to almost cash it in, but then it was prevented by the Shield. By the way, yeah, there's a Shield reunion (laughs) that happened, which I also am not a fan of, just because I'm not a huge Shield person. I never have been. And to me, it's definitely a way they're trying to get Roman over. And I feel like we just kind of saw a mini Shield reunion in different ways. So it's not that fresh in a way. I don't know. How do you feel about that? A lot of people are excited, so I'm not trying to take anything away. If you guys feel excited, that's cool. Just not my cup of tea yet again. I liked the Shield a lot when it was going. I don't like this. Um, First of all, Dean Ambrose earlier in the night looked really good in his singles match. few new moves, a twist on the, the way he used to hit Dirty Deeds. I thought he looked great, and now I think you're almost pulling everything back by now they're uh, so I don't know where they're going to go with this. I have a theory that if some if they're going to stay together for a little while, and then somebody's going to turn heel, it'll be Roman, and that'll be how they get him to be a heel. Is if he turn the one that turns on the shield this time, but. It's kind of uh, been there, done that already, so it doesn't excite me all that much. Yeah, me too. I feel like it was a little too soon to revisit that. Like, they could have waited a little bit longer. Um, Maybe I'm just kind of not remembering how long ago the Shield actually were together. But, you know, I was a fan then. I was just becoming a fan because Evolution was still around, Mm -hmm. and they were going against the Shield. And and I loved that stuff. Oh, God, I loved... They had multiple matches, and I loved right. all of those. So, And I wasn't even a huge S.H.I.E.L.D. fan back then, so, but I could recognize when they were in interesting programs. This I'm not that interested in, and I hope it doesn't hurt Braun Strowman. I would have loved to have seen him cash it in and him hold the title for a little while. I mean, I'm not saying that Roman couldn't win it back, because I'm sure that would have happened, but mm, I don't know. Uh, final thought on WWE, and then we'll switch to NXT. New Day, the new tag team champions, by circumstance because of Eric Rowan's injury, but... What a great, brutal little match. Uh, kind of an unexpected match. And you get the Kofi getting slammed on the ladder, which was brutal. Uh, but New Day champs, again, I know you've always been a big fan of New Day. I have always been a fan. Even when they were kind of that weird beginning gimmick they had, I was like, this is weird <laughs> and different, but I kind of like it. So I've, I've been a fan like literally since the inception of the New Day. But yeah, I was happy to see them get the titles again. And it made sense, but the match itself was great, and it was brutal, hard-hitting. Let's switch to TakeOver, and obviously the uh, headline match was uh, Gargano and Ciampa. And uh, right off the bat, you noticed the gear change on Johnny Gargano. Yeah, he uh, usually has a little wink face that has a straight face. like a, Instead of a smile, it's just like a, a slash for a straight face. And this time, it was kind of like a wavy sharp line like it was a mad face right and then his his gear had evil face almost yeah yeah yeah, an evil face and his gear had red on it like splashes of red that kind of looked like blood or just evil bad definitely kind of already i made the connection right away when he came out there was some kind of darkness that they were trying to portray with his new gear 
and that logo change. Something was going on, and I knew there'd be some kind of weird, he was going to go to the dark side in the match. And that happened. Mm-hmm. But it didn't help him beat Ciampa at all. No. Champa. I'm sorry. <laughs> we all know how to say it now. It's Champa. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, early in the match, the, the Champa spot where he drives the chair through Gargano, driving both of them through the barricade, was awesome. And then later in the match, the dark side of uh, Gargano was starting to come out. And Champa begging for mercy, saying, I'm sorry, Johnny, I'm sorry. And that's when uh, Gargano hit the flying knee, but ends up hitting his knee into the case. They said he had a dislocated kneecap at the time. Uh, I'm not sure if that was the case, but mm. I think that was all storyline. But uh, it was a brutal spot and kind of awkward. I didn't know what they were going to do when uh, Champa was handcuffed to that case. I didn't know. I, I thought they were going to do something with pulling the case down or something. So Let's talk about which takeover match of theirs we prefer out of the last two because both were really brutal i liked not this one but the one before this one was great but i I still thought the other one was kind of more fresh in terms of and it was more brutal because you hadn't seen him peeling back the ring cushions you hadn't seen that yet i liked the last match this one was good though too yeah i mean i i it's like a one and one a kind of thing. They're yeah, that yeah. Close. So uh, close. But I agree with you. I think the last one was uh, interesting. And and you know, as somebody who's never been in a wrestling ring, it is interesting when they pull that stuff back. That padding over the plywood is not really all that thick. So right. it is pretty amazing. Even the most uh, minute body slam has to hurt a little, right? Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> Now let's talk about a match that I thought was going to be one of the best matches because I love the people involved. So EC3 versus Velveteen Dream. That was a really big disappointment for me. And people were praising it, but there was a lot of uh, overselling by Velveteen Dream, who I love. I love Velveteen Dream, so it hurts me to say this. <laughs> but even when EC3, like, threw a jacket at him, he just oversold that. <laughs> he was overselling when he was, like, on top of the turnbuckle. He was, like bouncing oh, five yeah, feet into right. the air. Oh, my God. Well, plus, he kind of placed himself on the turnbuckle. Oh, so obviously weird. placed, yeah. yeah. I just didn't like all that overselling, and EC3 had some awkward parts in the match, awkward sequences, very slow-moving. I was so looking forward to it, so this was kind of like a bummer to me. It didn't live up to what I thought it was going to be. Of the five matches of the night, that is clearly number five for oh, me. Oh, yeah. Um, other way around, though, I thought... Uh, Kyrie Sane beating Shayna Baszler was terrific. I thought the way they executed that was pretty good. Uh, Mustache Mountain Undisputed Era kicking off the show was a terrific tag team match. Yeah, and I enjoyed Ricochet versus Cole. Uh, I really liked that match a lot. I knew it was going to be great, and I think that was the match that you and I picked as the one we were looking forward to the most. Mm-hmm. And it really did deliver. Yeah, it did. I mean, I love that spot where uh, Cole hits the super kick on Ricochet as Ricochet is coming out of midair and the, just the timing and the and the, the visual of that I thought was awesome. And then uh, the Ricochet Hurricane Rana over the rope, which was kind of a new spot uh, or different spot, I thought was pretty damn good too. Yeah, that was a great match. But let's talk about a little surprise that had no match involvement. Uh, we saw Matt Riddle in the crowd, so I guess the rumors are true. He's coming to NXT, which I have super mixed feelings about. And I'll say it here. Everyone loves TakeOver and TakeOvers and NXT. And I love NXT, too. But I have a hard time investing as much as everyone else does because of how I feel like the company poaches 
talents from the independents. And sometimes talents just to sit around or not even be at the top of the card. Like somebody like Matt Riddle should be at the top. Somebody like Keith Lee should be at the top. The War Raiders, which I think will rise to the top, and we're seeing a setup for that now. Dijak. Dijak lost in his first match. And that's the only time I think we've ever seen him on TV. So to me, it's like they could use these people (laughs) a lot more. And maybe they will with NXT UK coming up. Maybe they'll ship some of the people who aren't even from the UK to that division, possibly. I think that's what's going to happen. Because I'm like you. I'm like, look, they only have one hour of programming a week. They only have two singles belts. You know, there's only so much time, you know, these guys can perform in house shows. But you've got so much talent on the NXT roster that there's certain guys that are on once a month, maybe. You know, so I'm hoping that NXT UK show, like you said, I think some of the NXT roster is going to go towards that, and you're going to have two really strong NXT brands and another thing for us to watch. Oh, gosh, yeah, yet another thing to (laughs) add to the list, but it'll be fun. But, yeah, this is why when everyone's kind of gushing over NXT takeovers, I have a hard time putting that feeling aside of, like, ugh, I hate the way they just buy up talent. And I love seeing the non-WWE scene thrive because it makes all wrestling, including NXT, up their game and more choices for people to watch if the outside scene stays strong. So when I see more of the people on the outside coming to the inside, to the machine, to the big boys, I get a little bummed out. And it's hard for me to push that aside, but overall, TakeOver's great. I just... I don't know. Well, I get it, but I I also don't begrudge these guys at all. If you look at Matt Riddle or Keith Lee, they they wrestle on some smaller promotions. They obviously are on PWG, which, you know, while it's a a tremendous brand, we love. If you weren't getting the DVDs, you aren't seeing these guys. So they're making more money, and they're, they're getting exposure that they've never even come close to having. So I don't blame these guys for... For coming to WWE, it just stinks that they're probably not going to be utilized as well. And I don't blame these guys either. Let me just clarify that since you said that. That's a great point. I'm all for, like, the men and women getting paid. I know how much wrestlers sacrifice and how much they put their bodies through. And I respect what they do so much. So, yeah, if they want to go and make money that they deserve, so be it. I just wish they could be part of, like, something different, I guess. It's kind of like the silly kind of dreamer in me that wants to see that succeed. And in a way, it's not silly. It's kind of cool and revolutionary. But at the same time, it does make sense for them to make money. And I don't begrudge them at all either. I'm not saying that it's their fault. I just wish WWE wouldn't just buy up everybody just to have them, you know, do whatever. They don't have a clear plan sometimes. In other cases, they do. Like with Adam Cole, he's being utilized great. Right, right. So we'll see what happens. And uh, speaking of some of those other brands, uh, let's take a look at Thursday's Impact. We'll skip all the way to the end of the show because it was the best part of the show, the Mexican death match, Sammy Callahan, Pentagon Jr. Good match, but not nearly as good as the pay-per-view. Yeah, the pay-per-view definitely was a lot more extreme, but I'll tell you something that this match had that the other one didn't. Flipping Legos, to me, that was pretty extreme. Ever step on one of those things? Man, it's painful. Those darn things hurt. So I thought that was the best. Yeah, except I was it was a cool visual, but I was disappointed they didn't really use them. I was expecting somebody to get slammed on to the pile. And uh, other than that package pile driver that really wasn't on the Legos, it, it, it was more a visual than an effective tool. Um, let's t- go back to the beginning of the show. Uh, Eddie Edwards, Austin Aries, they're, uh, 
their feud continues, but you you liked a couple things from Eddie Edwards. Just how crazy he seems standing in the middle of the ring, basically repeating, your choice, your choice, your choice, until Austin Aries and Killer Cross came out to interrupt him. I did think it was kind of interesting character change that Eddie Edwards didn't hold back. He didn't wait to strike. He just started beating up Aries when he was in mid-sentence. I liked that a lot, actually. Showed a more crazy, brutal side of Edwards. But then, you know, Aries and Killer Cross almost got the better of Edwards until Moose came out and kind of saved him. Yeah, Moose back from uh, the concussion that he got from Austin Aries at Slammiversary. Well, this show was more uh, comical than uh, good quality wrestling, and I'm sure that wasn't the intent. They these, these video packages, some of them are just so terrible and cheesy. Yeah, I mean, first, okay, we have Johnny Impact by the pool. Why are they by the pool? I don't know. They're trying to cover up the crowd noise with fake piped-in music. Definitely done in post, obviously, to cover up people, I'm sure, yelling and screaming. So badly done. They're, they're yelling at the top of their lungs because it's so loud in there. And then out of nowhere, Congo Kong just comes out and flipping goes, dives into the pool and almost runs into these guys on a raft. I mean, I'm surprised that that was even allowed because I think they were legit bystanders. Yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of terrible. And it, it could have been uh, the most terrible video portion of the show. Until they top themselves a little later. Yeah, so so then we also have the uh, ridiculous Rich Swan walking interview. Why are they walking? Why are they shooting them from the back? Um, you know, Alicia Atout, or Atout, whatever, is uh, saying how fantastic the company is. That's something you've pointed out, how Don Callis keeps driving home how great of a company they are. We get it. We're already watching it. You don't have to keep driving it in. So now they're making her drive it in in that really awkward interview. So that was the second instance. And then the topper of everything, the flippin', oh my gosh, LAX versus OGs. And everyone's talking about this on social media tonight. Apparently, the OG's just killing a kid, running him over. I mean, it's not funny, but it's so bad. Like, the kid's just laying there. It's just terrible, and it's awkward. And then the way Callis and Josh Matthews addressed it when they came back from the package, the video package, it was just absurd. What did you think? Well, they were all somber, and we've got to carry on and all this. I half expected to go with your point about driving home how the impact is different. I half expected Callus to go, no other wrestling promotion is willing to kill a kid on TV. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was pretty terrible. And and by the way, I think I noticed too that that video was shot in the same place they shot the Rich Swan video. The building looked the same. I'm not sure, but it was uh, all pretty cheesy. It was, but you know, I wanted to see what happens after that whole kid thing. I'm sure they're going to have a continuing story with that but one more good thing you know let's end on a good note uh brian cage i liked his little video package where they were kind of touting that he was talking for the first time i really liked that thought that was a good showing by him and that was one of my favorite parts of the show actually because i think he should be highlighted and i can't wait for that phoenix match next week and then also another thing i'm looking forward to is the women's triple threat match that should be very good so let's have some positives here too Yeah, we can have some fun, but there is some good stuff as well.
So that's this week's impact. But going back into uh, the middle of last week, Ring of Honor was uh, in England or the United Kingdom uh, for Honor Reunited. And we're just going to touch on a couple of the matches uh, that kind of stood out to us uh, right off the bat. Jimmy Havoc versus Christopher Daniels. Yeah, that was probably my favorite match because I really love Jimmy Havoc. And seeing him go against one of my favorite people in Ring of Honor ever, Christopher Daniels, he's one of my favorite wrestlers, period. Seeing two of my favorites go head-to-head that you don't always get to see very often, that was like, I don't know, liquid gold to me. It was awesome. And a clash of the styles because Jimmy Havoc's got the death match kind of thing and Christopher Daniels was trying to wrestle more on the up-and-up. And then it had that crazy turn at the end of the match yeah i mean i loved when christopher daniels stapled todd sinclair in the butt (laughs) then tried to frame havoc and then it kind of blew up in daniel's face and havoc actually ended up winning which to me is very surprising because i really thought it was going to be daniels havoc doesn't really wrestle with ring of honor very often or has a chance to be seen by the ring of honor audience that often this was really a delight and really awesome to see yeah i i think it was more uh because they were in england's and kind of giving of him a chance to advance, and maybe he'll get a chance to uh, wrestle more for Ring of Honor. I hope so. And, you know, that match wasn't everybody's cup of tea, but I loved it because it had two of my favorites, and maybe I'm just a little biased, but they're great. Uh, we also watched uh, Adam Brooks, a guy not a lot of people may know, but he's starting to get a little more relevance, and uh, they even mentioned on the show he's living with Will Ospreay in England. Yeah, and you know how we saw him? We saw him at PWG right. when we were able to go to a show. Oh, God, that was one of my favorite times ever one of my favorite wrestling shows we've ever went to adam brooks really over delivered at pwg and he did a great job too in his match on ring of honor honor reunited yeah going against jay lethal and then uh the other match that really kind of stood out to us um well first of all jimmy havoc then the next night going against adam page thought that was a terrific match me too <laughs> again uh the stapler comes into play stapler buckshot <laughs> right of passage, Adam Page, the winner. And then the match you you uh, really were looking forward to, uh, Punishment and the Briscoes back to night one against uh, Marty and the Bucks. Yeah, I loved that match. And I liked how the Young Bucks came out with umbrellas, with fringes. They've got a shirt like that, and it's called Super Villains. And there's, again, a cartoon umbrella with little tassels. And they came out with actual <laughs> umbrellas with little tassels. And I loved seeing that. Great match. Really fun, like always. They always come up with really creative in-ring sequences. And uh, just a little teaser. Next week, we'll be talking a lot about the Young Bucks, their best matches, and what they've meant to the non-WWE wrestling scene and how revolutionary they are and kind of just the impact they've had, not just outside of WWE, but all of wrestling, they've had a huge impact. So yeah, we'll be putting out a poll. Check us out at Two Faced Pod on Twitter and at Superkicking It for my personal Twitter. And look out for that poll, which I'll be asking people, what's your favorite Young Bucks match? And speaking of the Young Bucks, they are obviously instrumental in where we will be next week. We will be at All In. Uh, and the build is continuing on uh, on NWA YouTube and, uh, you know, being the elite. It really is. There's some great behind-the-scenes footage that is being woven into these YouTube series. So just to kind of distinguish each from each other. So there's NWA's YouTube, 
and then there's Cody Rhodes' YouTube channel. And both are kind of being created and managed by the same people. So David Lagana, who's really instrumental in both of those YouTube channels, he's producing videos for both. So let's talk about his NWA video, which was called All Incoming, taking a look at Cody Rhodes facing Nick Aldis and the behind-the-scenes working and the behind-the-scenes build leading up into that main event match between Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes for the NWA World's Heavyweight title. Now, this particular episode of All Incoming on NWA's YouTube was awesome. It had DDP, and it was talking about Cody Rhodes's kind of five major people who he likes to surround himself with and who's, he's going to be walking down to the ring with. He had jackets made, and it says Nightmare Family, and DDP's one of those people. And actually, DDP's very instrumental in having the pay-per-view of All In go to Fight TV. It's just awesome behind-the-scenes stuff. And when you're hearing Cody Rhodes talk about All In and what's gone into the whole show, you just get this really genuine, awesome feeling and it makes you excited for the show even more so. I mean, I know we're excited because we're going to be there. But just knowing how much this means to Cody and the Bucks and hearing DDP talk about Cody and what he's been able to accomplish through this event and through his run outside of WWE, it's just really heartfelt and kind of gave me goosebumps. And just check it out if you want to know more about the build to this big match, kind of add some layers to it, add some depth to it. If you're not feeling like you're following the story, go check out that NWA YouTube channel. It's awesome. And again, we will be in uh, the suburbs of Chicago next week, special shows. Uh, make sure you stay tuned to our Twitter handle, at Two Face Pod, because we are going to be updating you on all that we're going to be doing. We'll be posting some interviews as we get them. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a great week. Yeah, and there's more behind-the-scenes stuff that's been released. Now moving on to Cody's YouTube channel. That was really awesome. We had a little look behind some more of the wrestlers involved in the over-the-budget Battle Royal. And somebody they highlighted was Chelsea Green, which I love her. And it was great to see a little bit of her talking about what it means to be a part of All In. That was great. Cody talking about the Battle Royal and how he kind of sold things like the ring canvas, he's going to sell the turnbuckles, all to kind of pay for that big match. And that's going to be a part of Zero Hour, which is going to air on WGN America. He also talked about how big of a deal that was. So check out Cody Rose's YouTube channel for that video. Um, that's part of his series, All Us, which is all about behind the scenes of All In. And then finally, going to Being the Elite, their latest episode, that's kind of teasing some stuff like Marty and Okada. They had this awesome interaction in the hallway where they did a stare down, and Zack Sabre Jr. looks at Marty and is like, you're effed, man. You're mm -hmm. facing Okada. Because <laughs> this whole little thing they've been plugging the last few episodes of Being the Elite is how Marty's just screwed because he's facing Okada and he's a heavyweight. And, uh... Marty is not. <laughs> I can't wait to see that match. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all of it and uh, can't wait to get there and can't wait to get up there and have some deep dish pizza. Yep. The Red Sox are playing the White Sox that weekend. We're going to that. So it's going to be an awesome few days in Chicago. Yeah, and speaking of All In and Chicago and our experience and our interviews we're going to have, when we come back, our extended discussion is going to look at All In, and you're going to hear from us a few months ago when we first found out we were going to be on Podcast Row, and then we'll add on, and we'll come back and tell you guys our thoughts on All In now, as we're about less than a week away. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. 
Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or a smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Welcome back to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, and it's time for Heads and Tails. And it, it feels like we've been talking about All In for several months now. It's because we have. And in this week's segment of Heads and Tails, we're going to give you a little best of. This is our discussion about All In the week it was announced that it was sold out. And, and the discussion of uh, how big a show All In is going to be. Well, let's talk about All In, and this is our heads and tails segment, and we're going to have an extended discussion about All In because it's been a big week. They made some announcements not just for us, <laughs> but, you know, for the show itself too. But what, what do you think the significance of this whole event is? Well, I think that... People were kind of contesting, yeah, All In, it's impressive that they sold out a 10,000-seat arena, but what does it mean the day after it takes place? What's really going to be different in the world of professional wrestling? Well, what's different is that it was possible. Man, if you were just reading about the numbers and the facts of history, the last time this has been done, such a building has been sold out in the U.S. by a company that wasn't WWE was back in 1999. That's so long ago. And so just knowing that not even a promotion outside of WWE, but three guys who have never promoted anything before with no help from major advertising, they sold it out within 30 minutes. Like, I thought they were going to sell it out, but I didn't think it was going to be that fast. I thought maybe like a week, two weeks, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's unbelievable, and a lot of people are upset that the scalpers got in on it a little bit. But you look at StubHub, I mean, there's 195 tickets available or something like that on StubHub. So it's not like the scalpers ate it all up for StubHub, at least. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be scalpers on the street uh, outside the Sears Center. But look, the most of the seats were bought by fans, you know. They were. So, and... The, the ones that were bought by scalpers, they're going to make a ton of money because there's a demand for this show. Which shows you that they could have sold even a bigger building and how over the all-in show truly is. Because the demand is like seven times higher than what the tickets were going for. No, it's pretty historic, the demand for these tickets. And I think that says a lot about specifically the Young Bucks who have been doing stuff like this their whole career. Proving people wrong breaking the molds. They're DIY guys, do-it-yourself guys. They'll say that themselves. They've described themselves like that for a long time. And that shows in this event. Cody was just like the cherry on top of all of it to kind of make this event actually happen, to put his spin on thing. He's really a passionate guy from what I've heard and read. And that really comes across in his promotion of this event. And like I said, maybe... WWE won't change after this event is gone and over, but I just think the mindset of wrestling fans and wrestlers will change, especially people outside of WWE. Hey, this is possible. We could do anything if we set our mind to it. But what also could change, yeah, WWE's not going to be scared or intimidated, but if you don't think they're going to go after some of the people who are putting all in on, 
you're kidding yourselves. They're going to be like, wow, we want these guys. Not because they're going to hurt us competition-wise, but because we just don't want other people running 10,000-seat shows. We just we don't want that. Well, and I'll go another direction. Maybe not even poaching the guys. I'm hoping it will open WWE's eyes to people want to see this style of wrestling. People want to see good, long matches with good storytelling and not, you know, their, their best of three of every, every uh, fight uh, per, uh, story that they have going. It's always one guy wins, another guy wins. You know, it's always the same cookie-cutter thing. That's my hope, that this event will open their eyes to, wow, 10,000 people wanted to see this. I wish, but I don't see that happening at all. I don't think WWE is going to change how they do things at all. And in fact, I saw that the WWE stock is higher than ever right now. So that just shows you it doesn't matter what they do, really. And I don't think this event's going to change anything in terms of how they do business. I just think it's going to make them want to acquire the people who are putting on this event. Because they don't want the event going on, just despite the independence. That's how they are. They see something big going on, they're like, oh, we want to stop that. They've crushed competition throughout their whole history. That's what they do. Yeah. So to me, that's the only change within WWE. But outside of WWE, it's a bigger change. It's more of like a mindset. And yeah, it, it people are arguing it might not mean anything, but you don't know what it could change. The butterfly effect, you know? Something so small could set out a chain of events happening, a domino effect. So we don't know. This event could really change a lot of things and even something minuscule that comes from this event like i said the nwa being a part of this is a big deal and that's kind of momentous in itself so already to me it's making waves in other wrestling that's outside of wwe and it hasn't even begun it's still far away imagine as it gets closer what's going to change i wish and it'll never happen i wish that the wwe was open-minded enough to let some of their guys actually be in it oh yeah like the new day just versus the elite that would that'd be a dream you know they could they could back the event you know and they could they could get some of the gate i mean i know it's never gonna happen i'm just saying from a logistics standpoint it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world and you'd get to see your guys go against other guys you know look there could be a standing agreement that the independent guys win a certain amount of matches and they, you know so it's even or whatever nobody's dominated or whatever however again it'll never happen but if something like that happened where you got a chance to see some of the wwe guys go against guys that you'll never see them go against how amazing would that be yeah in like a more creatively free environment oh i would kill to see that i just think oh it'll never happen but we can dream well, we fin- really can. Finally, what about the negativity? What about the negative side of the way people are perceiving All In? People were just like, can't people stop talking about All In? And I don't understand why you'd want to rain on somebody's parade. Like, even if somebody is hating on WWE, they still, like, don't try to kill people's excitement all the time. <laughs> like, to me, this is something special. Why try to, like, downplay it? It's something that doesn't happen every day. There is proof to show that it doesn't happen every day. I mean, I'm not just saying that as an empty statement. It is fact. And to try to, like, downplay what it means or, 
how people are excited about it. I don't know. I think it's kind of lame. And I'm really happy because I know they sold it out. I know there's a big demand. People are trying to make the excuse, like we talked about earlier, the scalpers thing. Uh, oh, they bought all the tickets up, and that's the reason why it sold out. That's not true. Everyone has basically come out and dismissed and proven that to be not the case. There's not that many tickets on the secondary market. That's why they're going for, like, $1,000. It's crazy. And look, some of the biggest names in wrestling are taking notice of this, too. Yeah, like Paul Heyman, he sent out some tweets personally congratulating the Bucks and Cody. And uh, let me just read some of what he, he said because I really liked it. He said... It goes without saying that Dusty would be so very proud of Cody Rhodes and Matt and Nick. Hope everyone involved is proud of themselves because this particular accomplishment cannot and should not be understated. What Cody and the Young Bucks have accomplished is truly epic. They have built a brand, self-marketed yourselves, negotiated your destinies on multiple continents, and sold over 10,000 tickets on your own event, on your own terms. So I offer my heart felt congratulations to Cody, Matt, and Nick, who have proven themselves to be artists who backed their own vision and emerged as pioneers in the genre of entertainment to which they have dedicated their lives. Pretty powerful words from Paul Heyman. Yep. So people in the business are excited. People who are fans are excited. We're excited to be a part of it. It's uh, it's pretty exciting. So, so many people involved in the business, so many fans. Everybody's taking notice of how big this is. Yeah, not only are they taking notice, but tons of people in the business, not just like in the independents, we're talking about WWE Hall of Famers and Legends, are going to be a part of StarCast, this revolutionary wrestling podcasting event that's taking place around All In, to which we are a part of, as we said earlier, yes. on Podcast <laughs> Row. But besides us, there's a lot of professionals involved, like Scott Hall's going to be there, Kevin Nash, Eric Bischoff, who I'm really excited about, Conrad Thompson, who's been involved with a lot of people's podcasts, including, like I just said, Eric Bischoff, they do a podcast together, and he does one with Bruce Pritchard. He's kind of like backing the event. It's almost like his brainchild. So that's kind of interesting right there. What's interesting about it is that he and Bruce Pritchard's podcast just got on the WWE Network, and yet he's so heavily involved in StarCast? How crazy is that? What a world we live in. We were just kind of doubting WWE letting people be involved in something like this, but maybe all hope is not lost. Because like I said, Conrad's a part of the WWE Network now, and yet he's really the driving force behind StarCast. It's pretty neat. But yeah, Macaulay Culkin, he is going to be involved in StarCast. A lot of cool people. Um, Chelsea Green, I like her a lot. Just all kinds of people you could think of. And of course, the main stars of All In, like Cody, the Bucks, Marty. Of course, they're going to be there. Um, really, I can't even list all the events. I'm so excited for all of it. And so much is still to come on what we're going to find out about this historic event. And we're not done talking All In. Well, I hope you enjoyed our discussion about All In from a few months ago, and obviously our excitement has only grown since then, and it's so close. I mean, I can almost taste it, the excitement, the feeling in the air. It's going to really, like I kind of said in the extended discussion from a few episodes ago, it's going to revolutionize the whole business, I think, in a way where it makes it seem like anything's possible. I think that's the big change we're going to see after this event's over. Anything is possible with wrestling. You could do anything. You don't have to go to WWE to be successful. I think that's the main takeaway from all of this. But something we kind of didn't talk about 
with StarCast and how big of a deal that is and how many people have been added, really almost everyone in the wrestling world who isn't in WWE is involved in StarCast. So let's talk about that a little bit. Well, even former WWE stars, when you look at the list of legends that are going to be there, the uh, panels that are going to take place that involve WWE people. And Billy Gunn's going to be actually a part of the Battle Royal. So Yeah, so uh, it, it has a reach uh, into everything. And uh, StarCast is such a unique thing, and it's going to give us, we're assuming, we're assuming that if it's what we picture it's going to be, access like we we've never seen to these wrestlers and not just us obviously all the podcasters on podcast row are going to get a chance to have content that we could only dream of oh i'm so excited and it's a huge opportunity as i said last week in our other episode but let me you know follow this up with since we're talking about podcasts including our own um Cody Rhodes and the Bucks were on Talk is Jericho. So that's Jericho's podcast. That episode is out, and it's so good. It's all about behind the scenes of All In. They're kind of like ideas behind it, how they came up with it, and a lot about StarCast, too, and how big of a deal it is. And if you really want to get hyped up for the event and for StarCast, I kind of recommend taking a look at that Talk is Jericho episode. Listen to it. It's so, so good. Well, I thought one of the funniest things was uh, when they were talking about that press conference. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. How it didn't quite go off the way they had planned, but it was in, in hindsight, it wasn't as bad as they thought it was. And it's funny. It's extra funny because you were ragging on that press conference. I'm going to call you out. You were ragging on it. It wasn't a press conference. It was a fan event. Don't call it a press conference. There was no media there. There was all fans. I was totally cool with the press conference. And like the Bucks said, like, it was a little charming that, you know, everyone kind of realized they're they're first-time promoters. So, you know, it's going to take a little while to get in the swing of things. But they were also hard on themselves about it. And it was Mm kind of cool to see how serious they took that. And so I can't recommend that episode of Talk is Jericho enough. So fascinating. A lot of behind-the-scenes details that you won't get anywhere else. Check it out. And we'll be there next week. Once again, make sure you take uh, stay tuned to at Two-Face Pod as we'll keep you updated when we're going to do special things. We will do our podcast from there. Uh, we don't know the logistics yet of how that's all going to come together, but uh, we know we will be at StarCast doing our podcast next week when uh, when we're with you. Yep, but before we, you know, look ahead to next week, let's, you know, get into our next segment. When we come back, it'll be time for our question and answer segment, Ask Two-Faced. Our awesome wrestling logo is by artist Eric Hodson. You could check him out at erichodson.storeenvy.com, where he has tons of other wrestling artwork. He really is an incredible artist. His Twitter handle is at dreaded dinosaur which is named after his comic series the dreaded dinosaur man which you can find on webtoons.com just search for the dreaded dinosaur man and you can read it for free thanks eric we really love your logo welcome back to two-faced wrestling talk and now it's time for our q a segment hashtag ask two-faced question comes from Mags and Bags again at Deej Kirkby. Which of the announced all-in matches are you looking forward to the most, and which of the rumored evolution matches are you most interested in? Well, uh, I'll start with all-in. I am uh, definitely, obviously, Kenny Omega versus Pentagon. It's going to be amazing. Uh, but the one I think uh, 
I'm looking forward to the most is uh, going to be the uh, Rey Mysterio Phoenix Bandito versus the Golden Elite. Obviously, I've talked about Phoenix on this show. Huge fan of him and what he does. I am a huge fan of Ibushi, much to your chagrin. So uh, I'm very excited about that match. As for Evolution, yeah, we're hearing a bunch of rumors. Uh, again, I hope they don't go too heavy on the Legends. Uh, I, I'm, we're hearing a Trish Stratus, um, you know. But I'm hoping they get back on track with, with a boss versus Banks. That's what I want. So I'm going to copy your answer for Evolution and say that I definitely want to see a Bailey and Boss match because I really think their feud needs something. They just dropped it. Now they're getting along. Let's make them argue and fight right before the pay-per-view and have that epic match we all know they can have, the match that they had at TakeOver. You know, we just had TakeOver Brooklyn. That's where it all started. That's where the magic was. I know it can happen again if WWE lets it. Yeah, but I, I want to see them get on that soon. You know, yeah, start build. I mean, we're only two two months away from that. Let's get back on track of them hating each other and beating the hell out of each other backstage so that we can get to that. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> and as far as All In, gosh, I have so many I'm looking forward to. But I have to agree with you. I do really want to see Omega versus Pentagon, of course. But I think a very close second, and this is kind of surprising maybe to most people, Christopher Daniels versus Stephen Amell. I've said it before on the show, Stephen Amell is not just a celebrity who wrestled once and just, you know, did it just because. He obviously has a passion that you could see, and he obviously wants to do well. In fact, I saw a tweet and he said, I just don't want to do well at all in for me. I want to do well to make Cody proud and to not let him down because it's been great becoming friends with him over the last few years. And you could see, you know, their chemistry that they had even going back to the WWE match that Stephen Amell was kind of involved in. And now he's having a singles match, and I think he's having a singles match against one of the best people ever to have a singles match against if you're new. Somebody like Christopher Daniels, they're going to make sure you have a great match. So I know that match is going to deliver, and I'm excited for that. This one's from at view from top rope and uh, two questions here. One's kind of fun. Uh, let's answer the second question first and then we'll get into the first one. Second question is you can add one wrestler who is not currently involved with Starcast all in. Who would you choose? Well, this is easy for me because of the Talk is Jericho episode. Chris Jericho seems so interested in this event and it's like they even addressed how he has been preaching that he's not going to work for anybody but Vince in the States. And he almost seemed like he was going back against that. Like he was not so married to that idea anymore. So, man, how great would it be if Jericho just shows up at All In and is like, I'm All In! <laughs> and I don't know, after hearing that conversation, he was just so into the whole thing and almost like taking back what he had said about Vince and working only for Vince. I don't know. If it's because he was talking to the people running all in and it just kind of came off that way or if that's really how he feels. Who knows? But that would be great. And then also I'll have a number two one, uh, Neville. If Neville could have gotten out of his WWE contract and he could have been in a singles match. And it's kind of funny. Cody Rhodes just tweeted, I miss Neville. When he was referring, I think he might have retweeted somebody about the Stephen Amell match, which Neville was involved with, with as well as you know Stardust, a.k.a. Cody. So how cool would that be if Neville was involved? Yeah, that would be good. I'm just going to say somebody who's actually already in it, but I want it, I, I wish he was in a singles match as opposed to the Battle Royal. 
and maybe if he wins the battle royal, I guess he could be in a singles match, Brian Cage. Oh, yeah. I really did want him to be in a singles match, but I think that battle royal is going to be awesome. Yeah, should be interesting, and again, the winner of that will take on uh, Jay Lethal. Yeah. Uh, as for as the first part of his question, which wrestlers would you choose to play the voices if they read the animated Lion King? This one's a hard one, but um, really fun. And let's start with Simba, who's basically like the main character of The Lion King. And let me just say, the voice actor who played Simba in the movie was Matthew Broderick. And I'm a huge Matthew Broderick fan, but I think he was the worst voice ever to play Simba. Because it didn't feel like he was a lion. Whereas Scar, in the movie, I don't know the voice actor's name, but him, his voice was perfect. And obviously, James Earl Jones as Mufasa, that was perfect. But yeah. I don't like Matthew Broderick at all as Simba. I do like him as Ferris Bueller, just not a lion. So for Simba's role as a wrestler, hmm, that one's really hard because it's got to be a good guy, just a great good guy that has a good voice. Somebody who's kind of come of age, too, like somebody who's started out kind of young with their eyes wide open and has become like... I don't know. I think I'm going to say, this is so weird, a British lion, Will Ospreay. He's kind of matured. I don't know. I like him because he could play young Simba and then, like, mature Simba. So, again, I, I'm with Simba, I'm thinking of somebody who's kind of come of age and, you know, is kind of one of the rulers now. Um, I'm going to go with Daniel Bryan. He just kind of started out as this young baby face and, you know, needed, needed I put in quotation marks, Mrs. Guidance. And, hmm. you know, now he's become this, you know, global superstar. So uh, Daniel Bryan will be my Simba. That's a good Simba, actually. That's a perfect Simba because he's an ultimate baby face. Really good choice, Paul. Uh, Let's go with the bad guy, Scar. And I have a couple of choices for Scar. Like, I'm tempted to say Suzuki (laughs) because that would be awesome just to see Suzuki as, like, a mean lion. I think that would be perfectly appropriate. But it could also be Sammy Callahan, I think. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm going to go with uh, Braun. Because he would just go, rah! <laughs> it sounds like a roar, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he would scare everybody in the jungle. So That's a great one. <laughs> now we're going to talk about Mufasa. And yeah, although Mufasa is technically Scar's brother, we don't have to pick a wrestler. Obviously, that's right. related to the wrestler we chose <laughs> right. as Scar. But, um, hmm, somebody who's wise, who's really all-knowing and powerful, and, hmm, let's see. Well, well I've got one. Go. Uh, well, you think, I'm going to go with... You know, somebody who's kind of uh, been a mentor uh, and who unfortunately is no longer with us, Dusty Rhodes. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's an amazing Mufasa. I wish I would have came up with that. I love that. Oh, I don't know. I can't beat that pick. Oh, gosh. I really can't beat I'm just going to go with yours. Okay. I'm going to copy fine. it. That's fine. I can't beat it. It's so good. Um, let's go with our final, Nala, who's the only female, basically, main character in Lion King. Well... I guess since I said Daniel Bryan, I guess I should say Brie Bella, right? Because yeah, this is you're lovers. <laughs> so I guess I'll love just go birds. with I'll go with her. <laughs> yeah, can you feel the love tonight? That's in that movie, so yeah. I, I know it is. Speaking I, sure, I, you don't I, know things. I am actually guys. aware of this movie. Okay. <laughs> and this, this this is actually a good movie. I like a lot. It's all right. It's <laughs> not my favorite animated. I'm a big animation buff. Yes. I really am partial to Beauty and the Beast, the animated version. I love that. And I've got a couple of others, like The Great Mouse Detective, which is kind of like a, <laughs> an unsung great animated movie that no one ever talks about, but it's good. But yeah, Lion King's great. It is kind of during the Renaissance 
of Disney animation. There was a little period of time where it wasn't doing well. Then with Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Aladdin, all those, it started to do better again. And I just don't think it's been the same since that, you know, string of movies, including The Lion King. But yeah, Lion King's great, and I think I've got a Nala. Okay. So to go along with your choice, you did Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella as, you know, Nala and Simba. I think I'm going to do Will Ospreay and be Priestly. Because, you know, they're going out in real life. They love each other. They live together. I think it's perfect. Sounds good. Good question. Love it. It was a lot of fun. At Metal underscore 2006, with the addition of NXT UK, do you think they are going to use it for main roster call-ups like they do for NXT? Or do you think the UK superstars will stay there and do crossover matches like we just saw with Undisputed Era and Mustache Mountain? Well, I'm kind of hoping... I'm going to go with that second part first. I kind of almost hope that they're going to have a big takeover once a year, and I'm sure they're going to, where it's a crossover of NXT UK and NXT America, and you have champion versus champion, tag team, all that. I think that would be phenomenal. I'd love that. Uh, the first part of the question, I think um, I think they probably will, because I think they're going to, again, ship some of their stars over there, and I think they're going to do promotions like they do already. It's just a matter of will they use them when they promote them. I think yeah. a lot of people, a lot of those people, would rather stay in NXT than be, be used the way they're used on the main roster. Yeah, lately the latest few call-ups haven't been used to the best of their ability. Like Sanity, just hasn't been the same since they've been called up. In my opinion, Mm-mm. I really miss the old school NXT Sanity. I think it also hurts them that you know Nikki Cross isn't with them. But I have to agree with you a hundred percent on that. All right, next question is from at Cal Riot. And uh, wants to know, which was better, NXT TakeOver or SummerSlam? This one's so easy. (laughs) Obviously, NXT TakeOver. But let me say that SummerSlam exceeded my expectations and was a lot better than I gave it credit for. Yeah, I mean, the answer is NXT TakeOver. Uh, When the EC3 Velveteen Dream match is the one that we were actually disappointed in, and that was actually still a decent match, but just not as good as, as the rest of the card. And it's it's perfect. We've talked about this before. It's a two and a half hour pay per view. You know, you get five long, super quality matches, and so it didn't disappoint. But SummerSlam was very good as well. It was. It was better than I thought it was going to be for sure. Okay, and so Dave wants to know: Do you believe there is a disconnect between fans and the WWE? For example, in recent events, Roman Reigns has turned crowds from entire boos into cheers or mixed. SummerSlam was widely regarded as a good show, but there are those online who seem conditioned to hate anything produced by the WWE, even going so far as starting another cancel WWE network movement. Is there anything they can do to turn the tide of fan sentiments, or are they doomed to this fate? Well, I think we've talked about it before. There's a, 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 an all-or-nothing kind of uh, my-way-or-the-highway culture in America. And there are people that hate WWE, and then there are people who won't watch New Japan. You know, and you, you know, but first of all, no, the canceled WWE network, you know, you either like it or you're not. There's not going to be people convincing you to cancel WWE network. Yeah. So, um, I, it's just the nature of things. I, I think... If people are just going to be rooted in their little pocket and not expand their horizons in any direction, then you're missing out. I do think that WWE programming can be great, but there is a disconnect between 
WWE giving content that's made for the casuals and then the hardcores. I wish there was like this happy medium, but it's kind of like skewed towards casuals a lot to where the hardcores that Dave is talking about, those types of fans are not happy with the programming because they always think that it could be kind of portrayed better, that we could be getting more fresh storylines, that people could be utilized better. So there's always going to be people who are unhappy. But to me, I'm okay with agreeing to disagree, and I know that I'm driving that home, but it's okay to criticize WWE sometimes as long as you're doing it in a constructive way and that you're not bashing other people who do like WWE. It's okay to have a preference. It's okay to not like WWE. Just be respectful no matter what you believe. I think that's kind of – that's my philosophy on the whole thing. I agree. So great questions, and again, if we didn't get to your question, don't take it personally. Uh, As our show has gotten bigger, we've had to kind of whittle down – the number of questions we can answer. So uh, don't don't be discouraged. Keep asking questions, and hopefully we'll get to you at some point. Yeah, and this week I'm going to try to record some answers to some questions we didn't get to and then release that either on Twitter or on my own personal YouTube. So look out for that. Follow us on Twitter at TwoFacedPod so you can keep up and find out where I'm going to release that. Also at SuperKickingIt, like I said before, and you won't miss a thing. And now it's time to close out the show and send them home. What do you got, Paul? Well, I'm going to play off of something you said uh, during the extended discussion at the end of that, uh, at the end of Heads and Tails, when you talked about how All In is revolutionizing the business. And this is a revolutionary time in the business. And we've, we've talked about it a few times, uh, but now it's, it's to the point where it's, it's big occurrence and legendary occurrence after legendary occurrence. I am almost of the belief now, because of All In, and maybe even prior to that, because of New Japan coming to America and having success, that that the bar just keeps getting raised. And I think as significant as All In is and what an awesome event it's going to be, I think the G1 Supercard at, at Madison Square Garden and poking WWE in their backyard in their favorite building shows how far these promotions are coming. So the bar just keeps getting raised. I didn't think anything would be bigger than All In, but when I heard about the G1 Supercard, and we're going, we've got tickets, I'm so fired up, we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, Just seeing wrestling at MSG is going to be awesome. Uh, But the bar keeps just getting raised, and now my question is, where will they go next? What will be the next big thing that we're not even – that's not even on our radar that we can't even think about right now that's going to blow our minds. So it's awesome what Ring of Honor is doing. It's awesome what New Japan's doing, Impact. You know, they're certainly creating a buzz counter to WWE. I have to agree with you. That's such a great closing the show segment. I like that a lot. Uh, the MSG show is going to be so much fun. I mean, it's going to be hard to wait all these months for it to get here because I am already excited about it. I'm so glad we were fortunate enough to get tickets because that was hard to get tickets for. Sold out right away, just like All In. So very similar there with Mm -hmm. the importance of both shows. I think they will both kind of go down in wrestling history as something very important. So now for my closing out the show, another plug for Talk is Jericho. I've been listening to that a lot this week, and he had a great interview with Beer City Bruiser. Now, if Guys don't know, I'm a huge fan of Beer City Bruiser. We interviewed him after Supercard of Honor. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. Uh, also, he's tagging with somebody I really like right now, Brian Malonis. Together, they're you know a tag team called The Bouncers. Love what they're doing. Loved their match with the Briscoes. We kind of talked about that in our last episode. And this interview with Beer City Bruiser and Jericho, so good. 
and Beer City Bruiser really came off like he wasn't phased that he was talking to Jericho. And I learned a lot of things about him that I didn't know. Although I interviewed him, we only had like five minutes with them. And that's because they had such a short window for us to be able to talk to them. I didn't get to nearly the amount of questions I wanted to. I didn't get to delve in and find out more about him. But, you know, he used to look up to Bruiser Brody. He trained with Harley Race, which I had no idea about. And just talking about how the Beer City Bruiser character came to be and all this fascinating stuff, I really can't recommend it enough. It's so good. If you guys like to find out more about new wrestlers you might not know about, check it out for sure. Yep, and you mentioned that was on Talk is Jericho. That That's one event I forgot that's legendary is this cruise, the, yeah. the Jericho cruise. So. Uh, Beer City Bruisery is one of our favorites for sure. And he'll be on the Jericho Cruise, as will I. So if you guys are excited about the cruise, tweet at us. Let us know if you're going to be at All In. Tweet us. Again, you know, let us know. Find us on social media. We want to hear you guys' opinions. We want to hear what you're excited about. And we want to meet you if you're at any of these events that we're going to be at. Yeah, and if you're going to be at StarCast, our table is Saturday. Come by, grab a sticker, grab a flyer, take a picture with Kelsey. Mm-hmm. I know you don't want to take a picture with me, so <laughs> take a picture with Kelsey and uh, definitely come by and say hi. And, uh, again, we're going to be producing all sorts of content throughout the weekend and uh, hopefully top the weekend off with a Red Sox win over the White Sox and oh, a big slice of Chicago deep dish pizza, even though you are scared of it. You're going to have a sliced deep dish pizza. We'll see. I don't know about that. We'll have to see. But anyway, what I do know is that I appreciate you guys listening and or viewing if you're watching us on YouTube. Thanks so much. It means a lot to us, and we hope you keep tuning in every week. So that's the finish. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.